I'm Afshin Ratansi, and welcome back to Going Underground, broadcasting all around the world from Dubai in the UAE. It's the day the U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen officially scheduled as the day the capitalist United States, debatably the largest economy in the world and Zelensky's biggest military aid donor, would de facto run out of money. While the capitalism versus communism debate dominated the 20th century, these days the debates are arguably much more complicated. And as a dozen countries formally look not to Washington, but to joining BRICS, what desperate forces of capital could corrupt a multipolar world, leading to a continuation of policies that lead to mass starvation and war instead of community and personal happiness. Joining me now from New York City is Dr. Harriet Fraud, host of the podcast Capitalism Hits Home. Thank you so much, uh, Harriet, for uh, coming on. So elites across the global south uh, influenced by uh, NATO nation business school uh, ideas about the benefits of capitalism. Even they are probably thinking, oh, yeah, this is a really important day. Janet Yellen has said U.S. debt default day. Uh, what would you say to those uh, learning capitalism at business schools in the global south about uh, uh, why everyone's going crazy about the debt ceiling? I would say that there is a humongous elephant in the room that everyone is shielding their eyes from. The elephant in the room is, of course, there's enough money. They just won't tax the rich, and nobody will bring it up, neither the Democrats nor the Republicans. In 2017, Trump gave a $1.7 billion tax cut to the wealthy. They could take that back. That's easy. Or they could have a 1% tax on incomes over $10 million a year. Then there wouldn't be any deficit. Or they could change the inheritance back to what it used to be. The inheritance tax for a long time was $600,000 allowed to be transferred to the next generation upon the death of the previous generation. Now it's $25 million. Oh, there's a lot of money. Or they could start tax the Social Security tax stops at $160,000 a year of income. They could extend it all the way up to the millions executives get. That is not brought up by either capitalist party. Those are obvious solution, solutions. The United States was the most egalitarian nation in the developed world in 1970. Now it's the least egalitarian. It's bizarre. If you count up the official poverty rate combined with double the poverty rate, which is still poor, and people who, have, who are earning only half the the poverty rate, you get 44.7% of people who are poor in the United States. That is obscene, particularly after the pandemic, when the top echelons, the wealthy became 40 billionaires, became 40% richer, while 8 million more people were forced into poverty. I mean, clearly, clearly, uh, some might say that if the politicians are bankrolled by the billionaires who are going to benefit uh, from exactly. uh, the tax cuts, uh, we're getting an res expected result. I mean, why would you say that the uh, need for uh, this kind of uh, suppression of the poor and the middle classes in the United States, let alone military war, so class war and military war, is so so necessary for the existence of capitalism? The most lucrative of American industries now is the war industry. We, have, we are the top producers. This is one place America is still the top. We are the top producers of war materials in the world, unsurpassed. 
And therefore, they always need an excuse to keep military weapons being produced. After World War II, there was a push to a peacetime economy. But one of the things that they thought helped get us out of the Depression was the wartime economy, and they don't want to give it up. So it's American primacy, American profit, the most lucrative industry in the United States where we're number one is the war industry. And, and yet, as you say on your up. podcast, they've lost, the USA has lost every war. I mean, we have military people on this show who deny this. But according to you, the USA, apart from arguably with Korea, uh, where 20% uh, of the population was uh, annihilated, uh, the USA has actually lost uh, every war since World War II. That's right. And Americans and everyone else in the world, I mean, you could interpret it as a victory where you're hanging on to the helicopter and getting the heck out of there because you have to in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Vietnam, whoops. And as many soldiers killed themselves as they, when they got home as fought in those wars, well, you, you might not consider those a victory. In any case, the reason it keeps going is the, the economy and the people at the top who are making billions off the war industry needed to keep going. So we always need to have a war against somebody. Now, we can't kill Americans anymore. It's unpopular. So now we're fighting to the last Ukrainian, right? They're trying to create a war of attrition to weaken Russia in order to split up the coalition that bothers them, which is the emerging powerhouse, which is China, which has the most people and is the fastest developing country in the world, and Russia, which has the greatest natural resources and landmass in the world by they want to disrupt that unity by a war of attrition against Russia, exhausting Russia. Because Russia obviously can win and is steadily winning, even though American propaganda doesn't really admit that on our airwaves and our radios. You have to look on the internet for that. But of course, they're going to lose. But we hope to weaken Russia and thereby the Russia-China alliance in order to keep our dying empire going. And it is a dying empire. Well, clearly, I mean, as, as you intimated, clearly, as you intimated, uh, NATO nation media does not uh, accept that view of uh, the war uh, in Europe. Um, are you surprised uh, that the connections you make on uh, Capitalism Hits Home, your, your podcast, connections between, between mental health in NATO nations uh, and and uh, these kinds of policies, why are they not more widely distributed given that, you know, it's often talked about mental health in recent years uh, as an epidemic in mainstream media, so-called mainstream media, and yet the connections are so different to the ones you draw in your podcast? Well, I think there is a lot of repression in the United States. And let's take a real example of a problem there is more than one mass murder every day in the United States. Every day, somebody just comes out and shoots a bunch of people they don't know, or some they might know at school or whatever. There is no nation that comes close. And that really captures what's going on. 
To the which gun control uh, people say it's just about the guns, not about mental health necessarily. Right, but who's shooting, right? The biggest cause of death of children is guns because they pick up the guns left around their house and shoot them and shoot each other. However, it's a perfect example of mental health and what's wrong. People know not a good idea to shoot anonymous people. Everybody agrees on that and that the shooters have something wrong with them, right? However, the NRA, the National Rifle Association, is the lobbying effort of the gun companies. And they have watched as American incomes have gone down, particularly for men. And they have pushed their ad campaign to buy a gun, protect yourself, be strong, be a man, protect your family. And it's been very effective. There was one ad for the Bushmaster automatic rifle that said, does your wife or girlfriend make more money than you? Revoke your man card. Other you rifles are available, and we're not advertising that one, oh, uh, clearly. But yes, so there's a problem here, because the NRA side and the uh, pro-Trump, pro-DeSantis uh, side are going to be saying, uh, we've got to keep the guns. But the Biden side is saying it's only about the gun licenses. It's not about uh, economic uh, connections and linkages to the availability of guns. No, because they're not anti-capitalist. This is a perfect example of capitalism dominating and people dying. The capitalist interests of the gun of the gun lobby mean that guns are advertised everywhere and proliferate. On buses in the United States, there's pictures of Clint Eastwood pointing a, a gun at somebody's head saying, make my day, right? They show guns as tokens of manhood Whereas the tokens of manhood in, in the United States used to be your ability to support a dependent wife and children. That doesn't exist anymore. Those jobs are taken to low-pay countries with few ecological constraints. The sure. antidote to mental health, as you know, as advertised, and I know you talk about this, is uh, fitness, vitamins, big pharma. Now, you're saying these are none no. of these get to no, the root of mental absolutely. health problems in uh, not just the United States, arguably, in, in uh, Western Europe, I suppose, as well. Yeah, the basis of, you know, I've been in practice for 47 years. The basis of mental health that is truly apparent to me and many others who are not part of big pharma in the United States is connection, intimate connection with a special partner or a primary connection with a relative or a deep friendship. A second is a secondary level of friends that you can talk to maybe once or twice a year, but you can communicate with and connect with. A third is connection in teams or things you believe in, whether it's, um, you know, Planned Parenthood or a vote, a Republican, Democrat, Socialist, or a volleyball team. And the fourth is connection to the world, feeling the things that go on around you affect you. Americans are highly disconnected. They're sitting in front of their individual televisions or their individual computers playing games and they, marriage is breaking down. 51% of marriages end in formal separation or divorce and another 15 to 20% 
And because there's, they don't have kids to fight over or assets to fight over, people just split. And marriage rates are down anyway. Family isn't what it was. Relationships don't last the way they did. The basis of the U.S. family was a dependent wife and children and a wage-earning male. Well, that's over. And women, um, for the first time in our history, the majority of American women are single because they don't want to go out and work and then come home and do a second shift of taking care of a man whose demands are greater because he's not getting enough money, so he wants to man himself by bossing around his wife, while taking care of the house, the management of whatever children there are, their social life, his emotional life, and sex. That's too much. You know, I once said to my daughter that when I was younger, they had this old stupid saw trying to get women to be virginal, which was, why buy the cow if you could get the milk for free, right? Times have changed. Birth control is available. Women don't have to sign up for domestic labor. And they're signing off. This is very frightening for macho men. Dr. Harriet Fratt, I'll stop you there. More from the host of the Capitalism Hits Home podcast after this break. Welcome back to Going Underground. I'm still here with the host of the Capitalism Hits Home podcast, Dr. Harriet Fraud. How important, and you talk about uh, links, personal, intimate, but uh, presumably community as well, was the Amazon Union victory in Staten Island? And why, though, was it not then repeated, as excited optimists uh, uh, said, after the uh, workers at uh, um, Amazon uh, plant uh, got what they wanted when it came to worker rights. I mean, I, I say well, Amazon because we go out globally and it's uh, the second largest company on earth, 470 billion by revenue, 1.6 million workers in 2021. Well, they still don't so have a contract. Longer. One of the reasons is that Amazon has sold them and so much that they don't even have a contract yet, even though they won a long time ago, that there are a lot of ways that they can starve them out and they're trying. And Amazon, as you said, it's an international multi-billion dollar corporation that added another $4.5 just recently in the recession. Keeps getting richer. And they can stall the actual contract negotiations to the point where a year later or so, they still don't have a contract. Plus, there's a barrage of anti-union propaganda that floods the warehouses. All those things add up. I, I presume we're not talking about the 1930s. We really are talking about the 20, no, we're talking 21st about century. Now, yes, now where high price union busting firms come in and work because they're willing to pay them very well. And they can stall off negotiations. So even if you win, you don't get the contract you need. To which, of course, the Jeff Bezoses of the world and Amazon uh, obviously admit no liability for doing anything, anything wrong at all, would say, you see, your uh, idea about the destruction of capitalism would uh, destroy innovation. And the greatness of Bezos was to create a bookstore online, and that could never have happened in a system uh, organized under more community uh, 
policies that would benefit mental health, perhaps, but we wouldn't have the innovation that one day may help mental health for everyone. Well, there are a lot of innovations that don't make a profit for people and are put in practice because people want things to be better. You know, when the Salks developed polio vaccine, they weren't doing it for the money. They were doing it because they believed in it. And that's what people have done through the ages. Often a profit motive deters people because they're doing so well with the drug, they don't want to have another one that's cheaper and more effective. So that's just not true. That's what they say. And most innovations that have really helped humankind have not been for money. People are motivated because they're interested in science, because they want to cure a disease, because they want to change building methods, because they want to do whatever it is. And the Chinese have made innovations they're a combination of capitalism and state, well, a state socialism, a control of capitalism. The Russians made innovations. The Cubans just made an amazing innovation. They have the most advanced family policy in the world, which they got from having meetings in every little locale of men and women trying to figure out a more humane family policy although that isn't advertised much in the United States, for sure. Yeah, it's people, amazing. People can watch our interview with Professor Danny Dawling of Oxford, who said that innovation actually has declined in capitalist economies, uh, fundamental sure. uh, innovation. I mean, war obviously is a good way to unite populations around leaders. That's what presidents historically of the United States have uh, done. How successful has Joe Biden been in... Uh, uh, managing to corral the American population who clearly are suffering desperate poverty, desperate empire decline at home, to get some kind of uh, unity behind uh, this war in Europe, which is taking the lives of uh, so many uh, sons and daughters of Ukraine and Russia? Well, I think Americans basically don't care. I mean, they've given up. They don't even look where their $120 billion have gone, they know it's not going to them. And part of the reason is we don't have an alternative party. We don't have what Mélenchon has in France, Insoumise in France, an alternative, an alternative way of looking at things. A socialist party or even a fascist party that's outright fascist, not like the Republicans cloaked fascism. We don't have a choice. America is so democratic in its advertising, all these choices. Well, that's true of toothpaste brands, that's true. It's certainly not true of economic systems. And so Americans, by and large, don't care. They don't care. If their kids were dying, they'd care. That's why we're sacrificing other people's kids. But you expect the but, USA to lose the war in Ukraine? Yes, I do. We've lost the other four, and I expect that eventually the, whoever is the president will say, we have to stop human suffering or some other excuse because they lost. I mean, it's unwinnable. Russia is a colossus. And professors like Mearsheimer at University of Chicago, I mean, can say that. I mean, really, of course the Russians are winning. They're a huge wealthy nation. And even American arms and the arms of other Europeans 
Ukraine doesn't have the force. Of course they'll lose. The point is to exhaust Russia and thereby exhaust the alliance that threatens the U.S. empire, which is crumbling. And that is the up-and-coming China-Russia alliance, so that all these nations, even like Argentina and Nicaragua and Saudi Arabia, want to join BRICS and not NATO, because they see that as the future. And also because they're not getting IMF loans that will impoverish their populations to pay them back. They like the belts and roads policies of China. And they look to China, which took, there's different estimates, but the lowest estimate is 700 million people out of poverty, whereas the United States sent 8 million people into poverty just in the last couple of years. So it's not looking good for us. Plus, they have 12 high-speed trains rushing across China. We don't have one. Their inflation rate is 0.7%. Ours is 5%. That doesn't look good. So that when the U.S. tells Saudi Arabia, who used to be our enormous ally, stop producing so much oil, we need the price to go down, the Saudi Arabians can say, hey, Go pound sand, forget it. We're doing what we want. Fully 90% of the world's resources used to be held in American dollars. And in treasury notes, now it's halved. It's a little less than 45%. This is not a good sign. And to get back to your previous point, it's not a good sign that, the, uh, that they're threatening default either. Well, um... Because all the countries... Wow. People can watch our interviews with people who sympathize with the Washington Consensus, who arguably are starting to recognize the multipolar world that I know you talk uh, about a lot. How do you think it'll affect the mental health of elites? Uh, people may arguably say that is affecting, affecting it uh, if you watch their faces when they hear about Treasury Bill um, unwinding and uh, the increase in number of BRICS members. How do you think they will cope with the uh, new multipolar world? as, uh, well, we are just ahead of a BRICS summit and uh, Shanghai Cooperation Organization summits and ones in St. Petersburg. How are they going to mentally cope with not being number one and top dog, uh, the Washington Consensus people? Well, they're not... Well, the Washington Consensus people will have a hard time, and what they're doing is the classical psychological strategy of denial. No, we are the strongest. And you have Trump people... You know, we're the greatest, the greatest, the greatest. And there is no recognition. It's a failing empire. How about cutting that $850 billion budget for the armaments and start creating a peacetime economy that works for the American people? But they're not doing that because the elites are very involved in that wartime economy. And I think for elites, they don't care. They're not patriotic. They'll make money wherever they can and take their billions wherever they want. But could their response be a sudden psychological epiphany where they say, oh, the money is there. We just need to change our priorities. Well, they might, and they might then ally with China because they're not wedded to the United States. They're wedded to their money. They are not patriotic. They're just making money. If they were patriotic, they might care that almost half the country is in terrible trouble. They're not only living paycheck to paycheck, they're living emergency to emergency. Look, 
four, one in four American kids goes hungry. The country is changing. I think they've given up on the mass of people. And why does, why does democracy need socialism? I mean, clearly that one in four statistic is not uh, the headline every day uh, and every hour on uh, what you uh, often talk about as propaganda media system. Um, why, why does it need socialism as opposed to capitalism to function at all, let alone the idea of uh, uh, the voter needing to be um, aware of uh, their surroundings before they can cast a vote to, for a country to call it democracy? Well, I think they need socialism because if your point is profit, that's what you get. Profit. You don't get, let's, let's take the healthcare system of which I'm a part. If the point is to make money in a for-profit health system, that's what you get, a lot of profit and a lousy health system. We spend the most money in the world on health and we're seventh from the top. We're not the top. We have an inferior healthcare system that leaves out huge swaths of people. Because if you're, the point is profit, not health, of course, that's what you get. Plus, if you have to go through an insurance company that's trying to deny you whatever you need and cut the cost, you're in trouble. You know, you profit interferes with everything and it's an, it induces immorality. When you walk into an expensive store, let's say you walk into the Tesla lot because you wanna buy a Tesla, they don't say, hmm, where'd you get the money? What you do is you create a, a group of people and you induce in them no compassion for other people, even if you're not on that level, but a lowly foreman. You, you can't worry that the person who's a little slow, his wife just had a nervous breakdown, or his kid was injured or mugged. You care that the production is up and that's what you're paid for. And so you have to suspend compassion Look, there's a very interesting thing that I saw when I lived in France for a while. There was a strike at the university at the Sorbonne. And what the workers did is not stay out where they would lose the money. They just did only what was on their job description, what they were supposed to be paid for. And nothing worked. Because you need the extra. You need the caring. Dr. Harriet Fraud, uh, obviously uh, all the oligarch elites uh, deny any wrongdoing. Elon Musk gave my Twitter account back, actually. But uh, thank you so much. <laughs> sure. And that's it for the show. We'll be back on Saturday, 60 years to the day. U.S. President John F. Kennedy, later assassinated, signed into law the Equal Pay Act, which promised equal pay for equal work. Until then, you can keep in touch via all our social media if it's not censored in your country and head to our channel, Going Underground TV on Rumble.com to watch new and old episodes of Going Underground. See you Saturday.